Sports is recorded in Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. Starring Dave. Surprising little fun fact, King Griffey Jr. was the first number one overall draft pick to go into the Hall of Fame. Chris. ALCS MVP for the Houston Astros. Gary Sanchez. Brad. You're a professional. Act like you've gotten criticism before because obviously you have. And Joe. Yeah, Chris Davis is awful. And now, 4D Sports. And we are back with another episode of 4D Sports. And on this week's episode of 4D Sports, again, no Valley League season, obviously, but we have Mr. Valley League, as far as I'm concerned, John Leonard. <laughs> He is the historian when it comes to the Valley Baseball League. When I want to look up Valley Baseball League information, and I can't quickly find it, I don't go scouring on valleybaseballleague.com. I just go to John Leonard because I know he's going to have it. And uh, I just talk to John. I'm like, John, what is the story with this guy? And uh, John gets back to me fairly quickly. So, John, it's great to have you back. Uh, First question, what are you doing without the Valley Baseball League this summer? What have you been up to? I'm dying a slow death, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing with no baseball, it looks like? <laughs> baseball, no. no I, I, uh, I, scored a, I scored a full-time job, so um, I am learning what it means to be an hourly employee again. Yay. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, my body is slowly adjusting. Um, but uh all i've been doing with the valley league is i've been doing a on this day in valley league mm-hmm. history or at least back to 2013 uh which you know i probably fell behind like five posts and had to catch up over this weekend but uh <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best yeah we saw the ray hernandez one obviously uh you tagged you tagged me in it and i made sure 40 sports twitter got a hold of it too and uh yeah <laughs> big fans of ray obviously and i think you knew you knew the crowd you were playing to there with that one. <laughs> oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I was waiting for Ray to get, you know, semi-close to having the best hitting day, and he was going to be my guy. So that's, another... That's all for you, Joe. Yeah, we, I appreciate it. Something else cool that you did earlier this year, and uh, you've also continued now a different bracket in the summer, is you did a just basically a popularity bracket of former Valley League players, and then now you're doing a best hitters in the Valley League kind of bracket, although I think that's kind of turned into a similar, just different um, <laughs> popularity contest. But Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's been pretty cool to follow as just a, a general fan, again, of the league. And uh, what has that been like and putting that together and just going and combing through the entire league's history like that? Well, I've, I've enjoyed it personally. I've, I mean, the, the writing, uh, writing up, uh, all of the accolades for each one of these players has taken me a lot longer than what I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm not doing a, a, a matchup every day. But, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to sort of uh, comb back through and, and find uh, really, and it's really only the best hitters back through 2010. Uh, right. So, you know, you, you've got Corey Spangenberg in there for two, mm-hmm. from 2010, and then you've got, you know, Aiden Nagel from 2019. Um, so it's been fun kind of uh, putting, putting these guys from almost different eras uh, against each other and figuring out what they did that was so great in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
but it really is. Like you said, it's a popularity contest. And, right. And uh, Michael Wolanski got knocked out. Um, and he, he has, he had arguably the best Valley league season in history. Right. Uh, and right now there's a little upset brewing with, uh, Max Wood of Stanton 2017 is actually leading Wes Clark. Wow. Who I was saw that. in Waynesboro in 2019. So it's, it's really whoever mobilizes their base the best. So right. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, I noticed that because I saw that poll this morning and I voted early for Wes Clark and he was winning. And then I saw later today he was trailing. And I was like, huh. Uh, and I, I agree with you, Wilansky losing. I was like, wow, because uh, that guy, I remember watching him play. And I think you're right. He's one of the, uh, I think the cool part about him and Charlottesville definitely, you know, played it up as well is he, he went to a small D3 school and he came into the league and did really well. And he ended up getting drafted too. So it's been pretty cool. It was pretty cool to watch a guy like that, not necessarily from one of the big time programs come in and have such a big impact in the league. Yeah, I agree. I, I always, I love watching those guys from NAIA schools or D2 or D3 that, that come in and really hold their own or, or in Wolanski's case, just, I mean, he really dominated that summer. There's just no other way to say it. So you talked about whoever gets their base out the best uh, and mobilizes it. I will say, as a person who follows each of the Valley League teams, I don't think there has been a single poll that has featured a Strasburg player where they haven't brought out their base. Has any of the Strasburg players lost yet? Uh, no, they have not. <laughs> they're gonna, and... they're, gonna, they're all going to meet in the final four. It's going to be all Strasburg players. Oh, I don't. I, I don't think there's any question. The the final four is going to be either Jordan Tarzovich or Brad Zebedis in one in one of the right. spots. Brandon Quaranta in the other, and then I think Connor Ferris is probably going to keep winning, and and uh, he's the one that knocked off Wolanski. Wow. Uh, yeah, Str- Strasburg just they just went nuts. Like uh, well, Ferris beating Wolanski like he did. Uh, I know. I think it's Matt Neal, Matt and Parker Neal get all of their people out to to uh, support their team. I think I think it's great. I mean, if we were just doing the best season ever, we know who the top four would be. In this way, uh, there's a little bit of uncertainty to it. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I tell you what. I mean, that's one of the things. Strasburg is a fan base that really supports that team. I know our first exposure to that fan base with Forty Sports was when they played Waynesboro. Uh, in the championship and ended up winning that championship in Waynesboro. And we just saw what felt like half a Strasburg going to Kate Collins middle school to watch their team play Waynesboro in the Valley championship to win the championship. Uh, because I was just amazed for, for a road game. And I believe that was a weeknight as well. I might be wrong about remembering that, but I believe it was a weeknight. And so to see that many people from Strasburg making that trip down, I was like, wow, that is commitment from this fan base. And uh, that that community, whenever you go to Strasburg to watch a game, it's always full. And Strasburg definitely gets behind that community. So it's not surprising to see them turn out the vote, I guess. No, not at all. I, I it's, it's interesting. When Strasburg came into the league, uh, they really wanted to model their, their organization after what Newmarket does and make it a very heavily, uh, you know, heavily involved in the community and, you know, you can definitely tell when you go to games or when you do Twitter polls. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's right. 
Uh, well, we had the Neils on last week, and that, I was just say they're great about supporting us too, and we we appreciate that here at Forty Sports. And John, you're another guy we love having on uh, week in week out, and whenever we can, just because of uh, the the amount that you do to give us information and tell us uh, in fun ways. Usually, when we uh, when I don't know why I say we when I complain about a former <laughs> Valley leaguer uh, <laughs> that I don't like named Tommy Lastella. Uh, but it's uh, we, I appreciate everything you do for the Valley league too. And I know you don't always hear that, but as a, as a person who follows the Valley league and follows what you do for the league, whether it's an official capacity or unofficial capacity for the league, thank you for all that you do. Cause I, I'm telling you, you make it so much easier to find information on the Valley League that I feel like if you didn't have it, it would just be lost. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, it's a labor of love, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let's switch gears a little bit. I, I joked no baseball, uh, and that's because draft night, Rob Manfred says 100% there will be baseball. Today, which is about three days later, Rob Manfred says, I don't know if there's going to be baseball. I can't guarantee anything now. Um, and I told you right before I got on, I saw on Twitter where apparently the owners are claiming that if the players don't sign a waiver uh, to give up liability on any potential grievances for this year, uh, that they just aren't going to let them take the field. So it it increasingly looks like baseball is not going to be a thing. They've already blown the opportunity to be the league coming back first with the most eyeballs for about at least a month. So they've already blown that opportunity. Now it looks like they're just going to blow it all together and maybe not have any season. Uh, what are you making of this, John? Because I'll, I'll tell you, as a as a person who loves baseball, as his favorite sport, they're making it really hard because I just put on Twitter before calling you. Um, they're not going to lose me because I'm a diehard, but they're going to lose a lot of other people who have casually watched the sport. And when your average age is 57 years old, you need to be reaching a younger demographic that frankly, you just missed the boat on this year. And when they see this to me, it screams ineptitude at the highest levels of the league. It really does seem like, uh, like the owners don't want to have a season this year. Um, with the, with the back and forth with the players and, and I don't know. I think the one thing that I've taken away from this for sure is that all of the, the collective bargaining agreement is much more complicated than what I think most of us think. Yeah. Uh, and I'm obviously not a labor lawyer, uh, but, um, I'm, and I don't even play one on TV, but <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, when, when the owners come back to the players and say, all right, we'll give you this. If you will talk about this, and if the players say yes, then that overrides the previous agreement. It's not, and then they have to start from scratch. It's it's so complicated and frustrating. And I totally understand it if if fans would say, "I'm just finished with this mess." You know, all of the money in the game, and they can't get together on this. Um, but I'm like you. I mean that that demographic, that that average age, that's even older than I am. But I'm still I'm still a uh, 100% diehard and I'll be there when they come back. Um, but this has been, this has just been a disheartening couple weeks. That's for sure. And again, I mean, it, 
look, I get not having fans is going to be a potential issue, but the NBA and NHL, I know they're only having playoffs to get through, but it just feels like the league early on, despite whatever was being said, it seems, I think you hit the nail on the head. The owners never really intended to have a season if fans couldn't come. And I know that sucks, but sometimes you just have to swallow a painful a painful pill and they like to scream baseball isn't a profitable business the the biggest obstacle to that narrative was this weekend signing a deal with turner broadcasting for four billion dollars just for the lcs so (laughs) i don't it's hard to sell that when that news breaks their protestations are falling on uh falling on deaf ears now i and I've been I've been saying this for years. I, you know, the media and the owners have have been able to make players out to be bad guys since the beginning. Since you know, Hank Greenberg went to the Detroit Tigers and asked for a five thousand dollar raise. You know, and the owner trashed him in public, and and the common man said, "Well, he's just a greedy baseball player." They, they've done an incredible job at that. And the truth in all this is that the owners do not open their books. We don't know how much money they've actually made. And when they say that they lose money, open the books. Let us see. Because I have a hunch that you're siphoning off your concession funds or your parking funds somewhere else to some other shell, you know, some other shell company. Uh, there's just too much money there. I don't, and I don't believe the owners for one second. Yeah. It's, I saw a great point that somebody put on, uh, Twitter too, and they got their information from uh, baseballreference.com looking at attendance numbers. And the league attendance as a whole has gone down every year since 2012, and revenues have continued to go up every year since 2012. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I'm not saying it's it's not going to put a dent in the revenue, but obviously the idea of there not being fans can't be a backbreaker to the league. And, and I, I definitely, I, I could agree that they might lose money this year if fans aren't allowed to go to games. But the narrative that that's going to break Major League Baseball, I, I cannot buy that. The TV money is just too, too great. The regional TV deals, the national TV deals when it comes to playoffs and national games of the night or week or whatever – I just cannot believe that the amount of money lost would break Major League Baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't believe it either. But man, fans, a lot of fans just swallow that line um, without without questioning it too much. I mean, I got in a conversation with uh, with actually one of my parents' friends who said the players make too much money because it costs too much to go to the game. And I've had to very carefully explain to him that actually the cost of the tickets has nothing to do with how much the players get paid. It's a supply and demand issue. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and it's really it's really it's really difficult for the average fan to to realize that. And it just looks like the players are being greedy. Um, how dare they hold the owners to some <laughs> to to lose to lose money when when really we have no idea if they're losing money or not. Well, I mean, the the ticket price issue is a whole that gets uh, you were talking about collective bargaining being complicated. 
you have a bunch of third party ticket sites buying up a bunch of the tickets and then trying to resell them. And so you have you look at a bunch of empty stadiums and go, wow, why are tickets so expensive? Well, the tickets have already been bought. So as far as the team's concerned, they don't care. Uh, yeah. It's the third party seller sites and then their fees that are attached to it, too. And that's a whole other animal. But uh, yeah, the Phillies, the Phillies had some kind of ridiculous, uh, ridiculous streak of sellouts. And does that mean that the stadium was filled every single night? You know, absolutely not. No, those tickets were actually purchased. Yeah, yeah, it's tickets purchased, sold out, not uh, people in seats filled. Uh, which, I mean, that's frustrating, and that that is absolutely aggravating when you look at it from a baseball standpoint, and you're like, you, especially as an Orioles fan, night in, night out, over half that stadium is empty during the regular season. And you're like, there is no reason you should be trying to charge people an absorbent amount of money to get into games. And I know it's, yeah. I know some of it is third party sites and there's an issue with that, but I think at a certain point, teams just need to say, no, we're going to sell these ourselves. And there are ways to make sure robots aren't buying them. I mean, I, I have to fill one of those things out all the time whenever I try to buy a ticket. So Major League Baseball should be able to master that concept and and to keep. Prove you have to click that box that says that you're not a robot. That that thing. Well, that and then you have to click how many squares is a traffic light in and all this stuff. And <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like I, I'm just like, wow, I thought my test taking days were over, but here we go to get to a baseball game. But I don't know. It's I re- I just remember when I was younger. I mean, you could go to you could go to the game, and maybe it is still this way because they the tickets that the third party sites just give them back to the teams if they can't find anybody within a certain amount of time. I don't know, but I, I remember going to Camden Yards day of and buying tickets and you could get them in that. I mean, if depending on the night during the summer, you could get the upper left field for five bucks and mm-hmm. if, because the Orioles sucked then too. And so they, they couldn't sell out and they were like, yeah, we just want fans at the game. Um, and it I, seems I like somewhere to, uh... along the way the, the owner's policy has changed on that. And it, it's a lot harder to go and support your team on a regular basis. That's that, that, that may be true. I, I don't, and I don't have any knowledge about how the, the ticket industry, how all that is, how that works. But I do know that I went to citizens bank a few summers ago and a friend of mine and I went up and we bought standing room only, I think for nine fifty something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's still possible in some places. Of course we had to watch like Sean Sullivan pitch for the Phillies, but you uh, know, yeah. Beggars can't be choosers. That's true. Uh, and then, and look, I know you have been, uh, this is your first year back in the United States kind of for a full year. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed the World Series because that is going to be the, that was the only thing you're going to get. You're not going to get actual baseball this year. But uh, I, you're a Phillies fan. So if you decided to get MLB TV, you would be fine unless they were playing the Nationals. That is correct. As an Orioles fan, uh, who does not have cable, I I went with a streaming service for my TV. Masson is only on cable, and MLB TV blacks out Oriole games, and that's frustrating, and I think that's another thing to talk about ways that the owners could, I don't know, get their heads out of their own rear ends and figure out how to spread their, their product to a younger audience. Younger people don't, there's a lot of younger people who don't have cable. And while a lot of the teams have found ways to put their teams on a streaming service, the Orioles, Nationals, and Dodgers do not. 
So your World Series champion is not available if you don't have cable. The Los Angeles Dodgers, which are in Los Angeles, one of the biggest cities in the country, are not available if you don't have cable. And the Orioles are the Orioles. Um, It's mind-boggling to me that there are any teams that you can't watch via a streaming service of some kind. Yeah, that's frustrating. And and I and I get the idea of like let's say uh, if the Orioles wanted people to come to their games, which I know is not the only issue, right? There's also they're protecting those TV contracts, right? But you know, black it out in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, we yeah we're three and a half we're three and a half hours from Camden Yards. Like you, you don't just go uh, you don't go every night to the Orioles. Although wouldn't that be great? <sighs> I would love it. That's I'm telling you. <laughs> To live in Baltimore, I don't know if I would love to live in Baltimore, but the one plus would be being able to go to Orioles games whenever I want, which would be awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it, that's the other thing, the blackout zone. Mm. <laughs> the entire state of Virginia is blacked out from the Orioles. It's, it's just like, okay, guys, I don't know. I, I heard somebody say that there are parts of maybe Nebraska that are blacked out from watching Colorado Rockies games. Oh yeah. If you, uh, the mid that middle part of the country, like the great plains area, there are places that can't watch Cubs Cardinals. Uh, let's see who else is Royals. And uh, your Rockies what? might be right as well. Rockies. They can't watch any of those teams. All Maybe of them, Red, Indians, Brewers, they're all there in that. Yeah, that all of those too. teams are blocked, blacked out. So I'm like, well, then what's the point of ever watching baseball if you live there? I mean, <laughs> none of the local, none of the teams that you could quote unquote call local are, uh, are you're able to watch. So I guess you would be a Braves fan by default. If but then they're not on TBS anymore. Not the Braves. Don't pick the Braves. <sighs> yeah, well, they've that. Yeah, they're not on TBS anymore, and. Yeah, well, they've got their own problems to deal with right now. But, um, John, uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, I know you're a big basketball fan, too. Um, What did you make of The Last Dance? Did you have a chance to watch The Last Dance? Yes, yes, I have seen it. Um, My wife, my poor wife, who has watched more basketball (laughs) than than any non-basketball fan should be subjected to, actually watched it with me. the background to that is I've been a basketball coach for much of my adult life. And, and um, my poor wife would have to come and watch these games. Um, I, uh, you know, again, do you, do you remember uh, back when you asked me if Carol Baskin had actually killed her husband or not? I do. <laughs> different podcast, uh, but yes, I do remember that different podcast. I, but I just, you know, Jordan, Jordan, also being involved with the production of the documentary is going to come across in a certain way and in a way that he wants to. And I found it really interesting that Horace Grant in particular said, this is not the way this stuff went down at all, uh, which was, which I found interesting, but as far as entertainment and, and sort of reliving those days of, of Jordan, just absolutely bullying and forcing his team to win championships, it was it was quite the ride. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you on the the entertainment value. I thought that it was really really 
good and the timing of it couldn't have been better because you're in the middle of pandemic there's absolutely nothing happening um and then you know as far as the other ones have been concerned that have followed it uh until this sunday which i actually didn't watch i I was in the middle of watching when i called and then i have to finish it before this other podcast that we mentioned uh starts with, with leland um I, I couldn't get into the Lance one. It's still too fresh. I, I can't forgive Lance. And then the other one is just Bruce Lee. I just, I've never gotten into, you know, that, the, the martial arts scene. I, I've, it's never been big for me. So it just wasn't a topic of interest, but no, I, I didn't watch. I watched a little bit of the Lance Armstrong one, but none of the Bruce Lee. Right. Did you watch the one that was on just just this past weekend, the A Long Gone Summer? That's the one I'm trying to watch. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So far, it seems okay. Uh, I I noticed we're not. I'm I'm only about thirty minutes in, so I'm interested to see what happens as we go along. But thirty minutes in, no mention of steroids, which I guess is just going to be conveniently forgotten, like it was in '98. But it's it's they they do cover it, but at the very very end. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I. <laughs> I know I was I was waiting for it as well. I I just I find this this topic of forgiveness in our American culture so fascinating. <laughs> who who we choose to forgive and allow back into our good graces and who we don't. So McGuire and Sosa, uh, you know, they had this incredible run in '98, which you know, talking about losing fans. Yeah. Uh, the, a big point big point in the documentary was how they helped. And it wasn't the only reason. I mean, you had Cal Ripken doing his thing, Ken Griffey Jr. doing his. But that this home run chase just packed the stadiums and helped baseball to recover. Well, then it all turned sour when we realized that maybe they were taking steroids and these numbers aren't as real, perhaps, as what we thought they were. So McGuire has apologized, and he has he's claimed uh, you know, he's, he's admitted his use of steroids and he's back in baseball. You know, he's a hitting yep. coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy Sosa has not admitted anything. And I don't know if you watched the Jeremy shop interview. Uh, it was, a, it was not the, I, guess, I think I saw it on Friday, maybe where he interviewed, he interviewed Sammy mm-hmm. and Sosa just, yeah, I mean, it, it was it all. It made me feel awkward for him when Shap asked him, "Did you take steroids?" And and Sosa says, "Well, I never tested positive." And Shap says, "Well, that's not the same thing." And Sosa yeah. says, "Yes, it is." And you're like, no. "Dude, <laughs> it's, it's been it's been twenty plus years." And Sammy Sosa is not allowed. Well, he hasn't been. I guess he's not allowed. He could go to Chicago if he wanted to. But he has not been invited back in any kind of official capacity, and it's so interesting. Twenty plus years, we still needed the admission of guilt before well, we're going to forgive somebody. Well, but and I mean, so- to that to that point, John can't. Isn't it something where you can't forgive them if they don't admit what they did? Well, perhaps I don't know. I don't. I don't. Uh, I think that's the biggest obstacle for Barry Bonds right now. I think there's a lot of people that want to love Barry Bonds that don't because he's still saying he won't, he won't come out and say it. He won't come out and say, yes, I took steroids. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously I just, I wonder if Sosa could go back 20 years, if he would, if he would change his mind and say, yeah, I was doing the same stuff that McGuire was. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if he said that, I think he, a lot would be forgiven. I will say, I the first few times he's popped up in this documentary, I have, oof. I mean, he doesn't look as bad as he did that time when he went to Congress, and all of a sudden, he pretended. For, yeah, he all pretended of a sudden forgot. Yeah, forgot to speak English overnight. Yeah. Uh, but he's got the. I don't know if it's just the setup or the backdrop or what, but he's got that creepy backdrop in my opinion of, I don't know whether it's like a clown thing in the background. I can't, I haven't quite made that out yet, but there's like a stained glass picture that just looks weird. He's got a slicked back hair look that I've never seen on Sammy Sosa before. And he's got like this rose him. And there was a writer in St. Louis. And I'm just like, is this the Sopranos? Like, what am I watching? Uh, but yeah, to to your larger point of forgiveness, I mean, look, Lance Armstrong's admitted it now, but I can't forgive him because of what he did when when the allegations first started and he was very vehement. Yeah. I never took this and I never took this. And he sued people who accused him of it and got money for it. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, it's hard to forgive someone when you've gone that scorched earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the attitude, like, but it's... Again, it's interesting. We we judge we judge that public persona, and and uh, Armstrong was just destroying everybody that even would hint that he was cheating. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was cheating. Yeah. We were all shocked. Yeah. But no, I mean, I mean, I don't hold anything against Sosa or McGuire, and I I sometimes I sometimes look back at that time. So 1998, uh, I would have been. 28 years old then if if I had gotten my wish and I had been in pro ball trying to make it whether as a pitcher or a hitter or whatever I wonder what I would have done had I been given that choice I mean I think I know what I would have done but I don't know like uh, you take this stuff and you can keep up with your peers or pull ahead or you don't take this stuff and you wash out I don't know man tough choice that's an interesting point you bring up. Um, I think it's easy for people, including myself, to say, no, I never would do that. But I'm not in a situation where this is what I've trained for my entire life, and this is maybe the only way I can keep at that dream. Uh, and other people around me are doing it. Uh, that's that's a fair point. Uh, and there was no testing, and it wasn't like the Andro that McGuire was taking. It was an over-the-counter supplement, man. It wasn't, it wasn't illegal at all. Yeah. Um, but what do you make of Griffey? I mean, cause Griffey was right there in that home run chase too, a little bit and but nothing has ever come up with Griffey, no allegations, no hint of suspicion, uh, as far as I know of Ken Griffey Jr. Being involved with PEDs. Yeah, there, there doesn't seem to even be a hint, a hint of suspicion, uh, directed towards him. With so, Griffey, it was always the injuries were the issue. Right. So, in terms of killing baseball, um, what do you think, <laughs> if it came out that King Griffey Jr. did, in fact, take PEDs, somebody that is kind of held up as playing the game the right way and all that, what do you think that would do to baseball's reputation at this point? Or do you think it's so far gone that it wouldn't really have an impact? I, I would hope that it's so far gone that it wouldn't matter anymore. I mean, we, of course, would have a moment of disappointment that uh, this uh, this person that we had hoped had hoped had stayed above the fray, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, there's, there's something about statistics in baseball that get people worked up. And, uh, I mean, you, you and Leland were talking about this the other week on the other podcast, yep. uh, about home runs. And then what was ironic, Joe, I have to mention this. It was ironic that you said that Hank Aaron's, uh, Hank Aaron's record should stand at 714. The number you gave was actually Babe Ruth's. And, and not Aaron. I know. I said 715, and, and as soon as we got done recording, I was like, it's 755. I don't know why I did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so funny. I was I was cracking up listening to it because of how how uh, openly disdainful you are of Babe Ruth. I know, but that number had been drilled example. in my head so long. Yeah, I can't believe I did that either. As soon as I, I meant to correct it, and I never did. We, I think that episode we had some other stuff, too, that we were worried about. So it, it got uh, overlooked. But um. Yeah. Uh, what, what I was going to say, Joe. Let me just sure. sorry. Let me just finish my thought. It, you know, the, the the numbers. Like, I don't think I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody looks at McGuire and Bonds and their single season records, uh, and and think that what they did was necessarily more impressive than George Foster's fifty two home runs in nineteen seventy eight, or um, like we. This, and this is part of my argument about the Hall of Fame as well. Like we, and I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for myself and not for other baseball fans, but sure. I, I put an asterisk on some of these things in my head as it is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like Mel Ott hit over 500 home runs, but nobody's saying that Mel Ott was one of the best home run hitters because he was playing his home games in the polo grounds, and it was like 250 down the right field line. We do it automatically in our heads. Uh, we get so hung up in saying that Barry Bonds shouldn't have more home runs than Hank Aaron or uh, whatever it is. Well, we 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 kind of automatically correct that in our heads, don't we? I, I think you bring up a great point. I think that might have been what I did. Another thing that I did initially, because I had two numbers in my head. I had 714 and 755. And I was like, mm-hmm. I guess Bonds has 755. Um, and... I don't know what Bonds has. Gun to my head, I think I, think I would it's get seven sixty-two. I think. Is okay, what he see, because I I can't remember that because in my head Hank Aaron is the one, so I went with the smaller number when I couldn't think of a different one. Um, but yeah, I, but as a sport that holds numbers so dear, and maybe you're saying you don't, and you think it's a little ridiculous that baseball does. Maybe that's your point. But don't you think it cheapens those those statistics in baseball that? fans are required to put asterisks in their head and it makes those numbers less meaningful. Well, I guess, I guess if, uh, if the numbers are sacred, then, then the answer to that would be yes. Um, I mean, doing, doing sort of my research with the Valor league, Mm -hmm. you, you just, you just have to make adjustments for differences. Okay. Um, at least I do, right? Like, you know, uh, and sorry for, for Matt and Parker and the Neals, but, you know, a, a kid with 10 home runs in Strasburg is not the same as a kid with 10 home runs in Charlottesville. And we, we know that. I don't, and it doesn't make the, it doesn't make what the kid did in Strasburg a bad thing, obviously. It just, we just have to put it in context. I feel like we're ranging far afield here. Sorry for no, no. This is a fair <laughs> point. It's a, it's a fair point. I think you know. I don't think the Neils would complain with that point. I think we've talked to. I've talked to them about 
a similar, you know, kind of thing in terms of ballpark. And uh, last week we talked, I, I don't like the boomer bust game that we have now in baseball of home run strikeout. Uh, but Parker's like, well, we kind of like that in Strasburg because we don't have a big field. So fly balls tend to leave the yard a little more often in Strasburg than they do other places in the Valley. But he, he even admitted, you know, if we played somewhere else, that wouldn't be the case. There are there are whole summers in which there was literally not a single triple hit in Strasbourg. That's amazing. All right, John, we always try to end this lighthearted here on 4D Sports. It gets more difficult, so I'm going to have to steal one of your questions that you asked Leland and I on Yak Sports last week. Uh, what is a book that you've read, either recently or just all time, that you would recommend to listeners of 4D Sports? Okay. I mean, you know that I was an English teacher, right? I do. So I knew that you were going to have at least a few. Yes. Um, so my sort of all time three, I, I can't, there's no way I can narrow this down to one. Okay. That's fine. Um, so you go, you have to go with, uh, to kill a mockingbird by Harper Lee. Sure. Good book. Uh, taught the book for years, and uh, and actually, might uh, Atticus's Atticus's uh, attitude towards the African Americans in their community might might uh, be something we could emulate these days. Yeah, yes, very topical. Um, Slaughter Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Okay, not familiar with that one. It is uh, you know, science fiction, but Vonnegut. Uh, that that's my favorite book of him, uh, along sure. with Mother Night. I think those two are my favorites. Okay. Uh, Cry the Beloved Country by Alan Payton, as well. Uh, I taught that for many years. Set in South Africa. Okay. Um, and then Tim O'Brien, uh, his book of Vietnam, a short stories about Vietnam called The Things They Carried. Um, so those are kind of my top four all time. Um, Another book that I have read recently, and I've actually reread it already, which is kind of unusual for me, uh, Paulette Giles wrote a book called News of the World. Okay. And I love it, just love that book so much. And in fact, I think at Christmas, I don't know if it's been pushed back because of COVID or not, but there is a movie version coming out with Tom Hanks playing the main role. And I'm really looking forward to that. But oh. all five of those books, you can't go wrong. All right. Wow. Well, thank you, John. Uh, again, uh, thank you for all that you've done for the Valley League and the history of the league and keeping it alive. Uh, you, you do a great job with that. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me and you know the other 40 sports guys when they're able to join in and uh, allow us to pick your brain uh, that is you know, more of the expert level and serious conversation with the Valley League uh, where we like to goof off. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. <laughs> well, thanks for your kind words. That's really nice of you. Uh, and as always, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate being on the show.